Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. How are you, gentlemen? Auctioneer of the year, Troy Malcolm, actually. I think we should give him his proper title. It was rigged. <laughs> now, now that's that's a sign of a good auctioneer as well, being humble about it. Not, you know, I like that already, Troy. And John, I can say I had first, uh, I had a grandstand seat to you watching did. an auction. He did one around the corner from my home on Saturday, and I watched Troy Malcolm. I got to say, Troy, mate, you walked in there looking like a model. <laughs> I walk into an auction and I look like a tired guy that needs a wardrobe update. You walked in there, you parked your car, you came in, you smashed the reserve by $350,000. Yeah, let me just stop there a second. And I'm not taking anything away from Troy, but when, you, when you're selling for Michael Tringali I was yeah. in God's country of Haverfield, yeah. when Tringali, what do they call him? Mr. Haverfield. Mr. Right? Haverfield. Everywhere you go, they call him Mr. Haverfield. He, he also calls himself Mr. Haverfield. <laughs> He's one of the nicest human beings. I, I know, we all know, we're all good friends of Mike, but he does a fantastic job. And by the way, Haberfield, which I know, Tom, is your hood, yeah. I reckon that's one of the best suburbs in the country. I so, love it. So, Johnny, I actually, because his home was so close to me, on a couple of the opens, I popped in just to say hi to um, um, Michael. And it is a great experience to walk in as someone that is walking in as a buyer and watching an agent relate to people. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed with Tringali is he wasn't like an agent. He was like this local community person throwing jokes, laughing at people, Mm -hmm. acting as if he knew everyone already, which he probably did. And then to watch the thing pan Mm -hmm. out over a three-week period and seeing some of the people at the Opens actually bidding on the day. Mm. It's a good experience for an agent to actually walk in as not an agent um, at an auction and just, you know. Yeah. Well, we, we, I mean, I think we, we interviewed Mike. It was on this podcast, wasn't it? It was on MDA Bootcamp. MDA Bootcamp, Bootcamp. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we should, is that on your website? Uh, we MDA should see Bootcamp, if we can put MDA that up. Bootcamp. Is, that was a really good interview with yes. Michael. I'll, I'll put it up there. It was, put just, it up for there, it was just for the people that had gone to MDA um, That was Bootcamp. a while ago. Yeah. They've outlisted everyone else by now. Yes. So they've used they've had good... first move advantage. <laughs> so, but I think, um, no, it, it's a great, because Mike is authentic and, um, and he has, I think more than anyone I know almost, Tom, he embodies the community in which he lives and works. Like, you're right, yeah, we, we sort of teased the Mr. Haberfield, but he is Mr. Haberfield. Mm. I mean, he lives there, sleeps there, has breakfast there, has dinner there, he knows. And, and it wouldn't have been acting like he knows him. He would have known everyone. I reckon he knows almost everyone in that suburb on first-name basis. And that's one of the big things about this industry is, you know, it is very local. Yeah. So you have to be a part of the village. You have to be a part of the whatever sub-communities within your community, if they're social or sporting or whatever. It's really, really important. And he loves it, by the way. He's very good at it. He doesn't do it because he thinks he has to. He actually loves it. That, that property as well, yeah. walking in, you, I was confident because Michael, every step of that program, whether it be week two, week three, Friday night before the auction, he gave me the best updates of what was going to happen. As so do you check in with him weekly, do you? As yeah, well, we have a great rapport anyway, and we're right, doing quite right, well. That's smart. That's calls smart. for Michael. But, um, Must be much in. better when an auctioneer gets a running brief than five minutes before the auction, which, by the way, I know there are a lot of auctioneers, hopefully none of ours, but I know there's a lot of auctioneers, they arrive and they say, right, what's happening? Mm. Who have we got? Yeah. Can, John, let's do this case study because I've, I've seen it. Here's a property that's had a price guide on it, 3-3 to 3-5. And I have to say, and this is me working in that, uh, living in that marketplace, 
thinking to myself, if he got around there, that would have been good money for that house. So he's actually put a price guide. Very realistic. Realistic. Um, and uh, he's gone through the whole process, the marketing. On Saturday morning, I was having breakfast, and he calls me on my mobile, and he said, he, he said, mate, someone has... Uh, uh, someone looks like they slashed your tyres outside the cafe. So I quickly, I quickly <laughs> run outside, and it was just Tringali playing a joke, waving at me. And then I've gone in, and people have taken the two... I was reading the sports papers, so they've taken the papers. So I said, Tringali, well, I've, lost, I've lost the papers. He goes, you work for a paper. That shouldn't be a problem for you. Anyway, so, so I go to Tringali. I go, Michael, do you think you're going to sell it? And, I, uh, and he said, I think so. And I said, you should get... Um, um, within that guide and his response was Tom I think we should be doing a lot better than that right so there's a sign of someone that knows his buyers as well that he's had intimate conversations yep um um, and this is not a case of, I mean, his quote, the guide has been reflected of the reserve price. Correct. Reserve of 3.5. Yeah. Yep. Right? So he's done everything copy by book, the book. By yep. the book. You know? Yeah. And, and I think one of the things, and we won't do it this podcast, but maybe we should do one, is, is uh, the best agents get the basics exactly right. Mm. Things like pricing, price guides, presentation. You know, well, for a lot of people, it's like 101 but they get them exactly right. Mm. And I think consistently, not just once or twice, and, you know, Mike Tringali, he'll probably sell 40 or 50 properties this year, I would imagine, and, um, you know, every single one of them we presented like you saw them. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing with Michael, and Tom, you would have seen this firsthand, and if you jump onto the video, you actually see Michael's dialogue and talking to each one of the buyers that were competing against each other was very transparent. So at any during point, the auction during, or the, during the auction, right. when they were registering during the process, but during the auction, he was actually going and speaking to every single buyer. So another lesson, success, you know, um, these clues, clues mm. get out there and start talking to those. But you've got to build rapport, obviously. You know the, the other campaign. thing I noticed, John? Um, Troy Malcolm didn't have a pocket square, but Michael Tringali did in his pocket. Ah, and I actually, it? and I mentioned it at the time, I said, Michael has come along to outshine the auctioneer. <laughs> How, how did he does. Think? He does every take. Well, remember Gary Rubenstein was big on the pocket squares. STP, suit, tie, pocket square. STP. Remember? Suit, tie, so pocket So, there could be room for an upgrade there. Actually, Michael was very generous. A couple of weeks ago, he purchased a pocket square and sent it across to me. To I you? felt very guilty that I had you didn't wear it. Didn't wear it. So oh, can I, I do a shout-out? I've got to do the same. Gav Rubenstein sent me a Tom Ford one. Oh, he, nice. He, 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 a shout-out there, and I'm going to... I need to have a pocket to wear it. Well... <laughs> <laughs> But I will be wearing it. Um, so, guys, let's Very move on good. to talk uh, this Q and A that's come in. This is the opposite to say a mile. One other thing before we start. Sorry, yep. one other thing that I, I I got onto this week that I'd love to share with our listeners. There's a little app you guys might or may not have heard of it called Streaks, S T R E A K S. So basically. Um, it's an app where you can put down things that you want to do. So habits you want to build, right? And you put them down, and it comes up with the things that you've chosen. So, you know, every day you want to do this, you know, whether it's exercise or whatever. Yep. And then as you finish it, you then um, hit yep. the little button. Yeah. And it, it builds the number and it says, congratulations, that's five in a row or five days in a row, whatever. It's really good. I think it's, it's a habit builder? Habit builder. And it breaks it up in subsets of activities by the looks yeah, of Yeah, I think uh, you can put 12, up to 12 activities there. Um, and uh, so, you know, one of mine there is no sugar. So I've, you know, just going through a detox again and one of my commitments Are you going is, through the, the yeah. plan you went at Christmas time? Yeah, 30 days because right. it just clears it up. So now I've just hit today because it's now kind of... 
halfway through today, I'm not going to have any more. But anyway, that's no sugar for five days in a row. So little things like that. I'm just doing 5,000 steps as a minimum every day on the uh, on the app. So, so John, Streaks Very is cool. the app. Yeah. I, I, I you download like it, Troy? Downloading now. Downloading $7 now. in the app store. So, Troy, can I ask you, mm. what... What one habit would you love to nail in the next, say, 30 days? John's just got five, uh, how many steps? 5,000, minimum 5,000, which and is no not sure. a lot, by the way. So that's only three kilometres, but before I was doing an average of about 3,000. It's amazing, you know. Have you got the, a Fitbit on? No, I just, your phone, calculate. The, the, the built-in app that everyone's got health. on their phone, that the one, health. health, with a little heart on it, that counts every step, every so time. So as long as you're carrying mm-hmm. your phone with you? Correct, yeah, yeah. Okay, so John, you've got um, no sugar and 5,000 uh, steps Steps a day. Troy, what, what, what one habit? If you, I mean, you've only found out about the app now, but what are you thinking? Uh, I would love to run 5K a day for the next 30 days. That would be a good habit. Whack it in streaks. There you go. Put it in. Josh Vegan's doing that. Josh Vegan's posting on social every morning. He's getting up very early and running a great distance. And so he's putting and he's recording how many Ks he runs. Well, it's coming up. He's got the Nike app, so he's right. just posting a photo, but it tells you how really? far he's run. But it's pretty amazing what he's achieving. So... Thumbs up to Josh. Are you a runner? Uh, I try. I wouldn't say I'm a big runner, but I try. He was an elite athlete. (laughs) Not long ago. Sharesh, Sharesh, the car park attendant from News Corp, (laughs) said to me um, two weeks ago when I was walking down, he said, did you know that Troy Malcolm um, played uh, touch football for um, Australia? Australia? Yes, he did. I said, mate, I said, we could sit here for half an hour (laughs) and I can tell you about all of Troy's other achievements as well. All right, so, moving on. Question Q and A. Here we go. <laughs> I did. I did play for Lebanon once. I know. I know you played touch for football. Le- I no. played in the international competition. I couldn't make the Australian team, but the Lebanese team I couldn't come up with here. enough. They couldn't yes, come up with enough. I've heard it all here, <laughs> and I've got a few Lebanese friends or many Lebanese friends. So they said to me, that was Dominic said, the 19, you? "1999 World Championships held in Sydney." That's right. So, and, uh, Troy, I just want to get this right. <laughs> John McGrath. With a name like McGrath. McGrath, state agent. <laughs> he played for Lebanon in 1999 That's right, in, in the, the international touch footy. In the national side. That's right. I've got to tell you, think You've possibility. Anything's yeah, possible. <laughs> Let's get on to the okay. Q&A. In an area where there is a lot of people on the do not call register, how do I go about approaching people to get to know them and for me to begin to build my database? Well, I think almost every area today is going to have a larger number than ever before of people on that register, and, and I understand that. I mean, I hate spam emails and all sorts of things. We all do. So I think you've just got to take as a given that people are, are quickly becoming over the idea, Tom, of you just bombarding their letterbox and their email box with stuff unless they've asked for it. So I think you now need to start seeing that you've got a mass market of one, one at a time, and you've got to, at your open for inspections, uh, every activity you're doing, you've got to build a customer-centric, personalised database and record. And you can use any number. You might have your own CRM system if you're part of a group or if, you're, if you've got a good office that you're working for, but you, know, you can buy them or get them for free. Microsoft Outlook, some people use Excel, things that are virtually free. So I, I think the first thing you've got to recognise, we all have to recognise this is the new game we're all in, that people do not want to be connected and, and actually, you being persistent or pesky in that area is actually going to cost you a lot of business. So I think, you know, you have to be invited in. That's why, you know, I know, Tom, you love the law of attraction, as, as so does Troy and I. You know, you want to become the agent that people are going to versus the agent that's knocking on 
every door. So, yeah. John, if you if you if you were tomorrow starting off at the Edgecliff office, yep. and it's you know September one, two thousand and seventeen, and let's assume you know no one, John. What are three or four activities that well, no you... one knows? No one. So the first thing I'd say okay. is whatever was my last career, yeah. I'd be going back to everyone with a nice little elevator pitch that says, Tom, just wanted to share with you the most exciting news for a long time. I've just joined the real estate industry. I'm really excited about it. The reason I've joined is this. Um, I'm working for a company that I really believe in, has great values. And I'll just do a little 30 second and I just wanted to let you know where I'm, I am. And if you don't mind, I'd love to send you some details and occasionally send you some information about the market. Would that be okay? So one, you, it's permission marketing. You're getting it from them. Um, and two is, like I said, no one knows, no one that's getting into sales doesn't know anyone because you're probably 20, 30, 40 years of age or older if you're entering sales for the first time. So you have a network of people. Even if you're coming through from a world like you, know, you and I came from, a sporting world, mm. you know people. So get in contact with them yeah. and share your passion and, and don't... I have some people say, oh, I don't, I don't want to bug them and I don't know. Just go out there and let everyone know, first thing. Second thing is you have to be a part of the community. So work out quickly. If you're not already embedded or engaged in the community, Tom, who are the people or what are the things you can be engaged with? And there's often social, there's often business, like Chamber of Commerce, there's social groups, there's obviously sporting groups of which you might either be a participant or maybe a, a helper sponsor could be kids sport, or you might be playing some, you know, some uh, like me over sixties uh, touch football or something. <laughs> Won't be long, Troisy. Um, so I, I think embed yourself. We just spoke about Tringali, perfect example of someone that just knows, you know, what's going on and he's a part of it and he's helping people. Third one is I think um, open for inspections. One of the great, great benefits of our industry is generally speaking, our vendors pay for us to market their properties, which then attracts a lot of potential buyers and also a lot of potential sellers to come and view what's happening. You just said yourself, Tom, without even knowing it in the preamble, you're an owner in that area, and you came to check out what was happening in your neighbourhood, then you went back for the auction. Now, you happen to know Troy and Michael, Mm. but you probably would have gone anyway because it's interesting to you as a neighbour. So I think... um, doing as many opens you can do. I was speaking to one of the young guys yesterday who's, who's kind of not kicking the goals that he expected to or wanted to, and I just said, next weekend, open four properties. Just put them on realestate.com.au with an open time, put a sandwich board and a flag out the front, and open them because you're bound to meet people in the community. Some will be buyers, some will be sellers, some will be people that will be selling at some future date. All of them are valuable customers. So I think you know the do not disturb thing, to me, it's because that was never a part of my prospecting strategy anyway, so it would, it would have never worried me, but I know there's a lot of people that they either door knock or they just do the sort of random phone calls, cold call type stuff, which that would kind of be a bit of a, a concern, but I think it's a good thing. You've got to deeper connections, warmer leads, um, and just go deeper with the potential customers. You've also got to add as much value as you can. Like you've got to be mindful of, am I just doing this for a transactional gain or am I actually trying to add value to the clients? Um, Tom, at that auction on the weekend, there was probably close to 100 people in that backyard. Yeah. And each one of those that walked away had a great experience. And Michael, after the auction, not only was congratulating 
the vendors, the buyers, and all the all the other bidders that were there to try and buy the property. Mm-hmm. Every single person that was leaving the property, Marco was there saying goodbye and thanking them for attending. Now, yeah. value add is they walk away with valuable information and they've got a great experience about Michael and his brand. Yeah. And Troy, it's always about it's, it's about micro moments and connections. Someone walks up to you, at, you know, just before, just after the auction, or just at a normal open for inspection. And they just they ask you something. Now, that's an opportunity to shine or not to shine. And if you know the neighbourhood and they say, oh, look, there was one around the corner that went, did you hear what that went for? I'm not sure how big it was. And if you can say, yeah, I do know what it went for, 2.85 million. It was about 640 square metres, really nicely restored three-bedroom. Now, you should know your competitors' listings as well as you know your own. So you're either following them on REA or you're going to open for inspections, going to auctions or all of the above. You should be doing everything. <clears throat> so I think it's really, really critical um, that your knowledge is the best in the game. And there's no excuse other than complacency for not having the best product knowledge. I don't care if you start in the industry like yesterday, you can have better knowledge than the guy or girl that's been in the industry 10 years if you swat like an exam to get up to speed with that. So I think all those things, because you, know, you meet someone and they're meeting 10 agents a week or if they're on the, on the hustings looking for a property or looking for an agent, they're meeting lots of agents. Who is the agent that stands out? The one that's likeable? Mm-hmm. They met and they felt, well, he or she was warm, felt good, I felt like I could really connect with them, and knowledgeable, you know your stuff. That gets you a long way ahead of the pack. So I think it's a really great question, but I think it's, it's time for everyone that's listening to this to shift from the old junk mail, door knocks, cold calling stuff to a far more elevated and high quality um, method of connecting with people. And as you said, Troy, um, adding value. Alrighty, and on that point, I know that we were all at the auctioneers conference last Monday, and there's something that uh, I've no- I started noticing it. Um, um, it was mentioned to me uh, by one of the uh, the speakers there at, at the conference, um, and what it was is when someone buys a property and they're successful, give them thirty seconds, sixty seconds before you barge over to them and congratulate them. And I've been just focused on that looking looking at them because it's the... It's 30, not about you, it's about them. Yeah, yeah, it's the 30, 60 seconds that this special moment that they can have themselves and there sometimes is a tendency where the uh, agent and the auctioneer, and that definitely didn't happen on the weekend, um, there was just so many people there, but there is a tendency, John, where people go over to them straight away and they don't have a chance to even hug and kiss and think this special moment. So, so my tip, Tommy, for, for both agent and auctioneer is to go to the underbidder first. Yeah. Because the underbidder is obviously, A, disappointed. Yeah. You know, they had their heart set on it. So that's all the underbidders, but especially the underbidder. Um, Bs are about to disappear because they kind of, they're finished, they want to go and probably feel pretty bad for the rest of the day so I always used to as the auctioneer or as the agent go first to them and that automatically gives the buyer the opportunity to celebrate with their loved ones and close friends before you go across there and then take out the um, you know do all the uh, activities by the way uh, Andrew North impressive young guy yeah we should have him at Eric I think he was unbelievable wasn't he yeah he's he's one of the best auctioneers um, that I've seen ever yeah. And uh, just a decent human being too, yeah. right? We talk about likability and trustworthy and just you meet him for like 60 seconds and you feel this guy's authentic. Yeah. There's no fairy floss. There's no mirages. He's the real deal. He's grounded. 
he's humble, and yet yeah. he's one of the best auctioneers probably in the history of the world, really, because Australia yeah. has generally produced better auctioneers New than Zealand, almost anyone yeah. else. Well, Australia and Sorry, New Australia and New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. yeah, Australia, and more recently New Zealand. Yeah. But, and uh, it's great to see uh, people like that. So I think we should get on the phone and see if he's free for our He was also part of the competition and the calibre of the competition that afternoon. I know that you both had to duck away, um, but was unbelievable. Justin Nickerson, Michael Choi, Andrew North and uh, Gavin Croft. Well, they um, all had a competition? It was a competition, a mock competition. And Justin won, wow. our, uh, Justin Nickerson won the competition, but every single one of them, it was a tough competition. Where's Justin seconds. Nickerson from? Queensland, Apollo. So he's, he heads up Apollo auctions. So uh, Did he win last year, the Australasian? He won the Australasian last so, year yeah. as well. So he's on a very much on a run. But oh, you can tell him. because, like Andrew, uh, extremely engaging, likeable, and just knows his stuff, product knowledge. You know, nothing makes me no, nothing makes me feel better. Actually, I was going to bring up the NRL, but it's the only week that the Rabbits won. So <laughs> it's the only week that the Rabbits won. On that point, guys and girls... We are moving into, we're only a couple of weeks away from spring. Um, It is Grand Slam season for real estate agents. We will talk to you all next week.